Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You are listening to the Final Lap Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to the Final Lap Podcast. I'm joined here by Matt Trumpets, and we are back talking about F1 in the podcasting shed. How about that, Matt? That was only a matter of time. You knew it. I didn't. I had doubts, but <laughs> but here we are. But we're not strangers to everyone listening. Some of you may remember us from a different F1 podcast. We're not associated in any way with that organization. We're an independent podcast, but you never know. You may see us pop up on Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station, where we also host, Matthew, e-radio about cars with, like, electric engines and stuff. Batteries. We talk a lot about batteries. It's really very much more exciting than you might think. We don't have to talk about batteries here tonight, though, do we? <laughs> well, we could. Technically, they are part of the power unit, my friend. No, but this we is... Won't. We th- won't, we won't, we won't. I this promise. is a hybrid-free episode. We'll get to it uh, further along down the line. So what are we giving people that they can't get elsewhere? Well, we aim to bring you race reviews before your Monday commute for a start. And this show will be safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play with kids in the background or in the car or at work. Sorry about the last F1 show I did. We said naughty things. You said naughty things? Sometimes. Uh, the bigger uh, kids made me do it. But my, of my, course. But my, <laughs> my son is six, and my aim is that he can hear this without learning anything colourful. So, think you can keep it clean, Matt? You mean anything else colorful anything else colorful because I, I seem to recall a story or two he might he might have some knowledge already i'm just saying well you can find out all about that on a dad's view podcast but we're not here for that you're here and you might be here on the live stream on Ustream. that's the letter u followed by stream if you follow spanners ready channel on that stream you'll get a notification whenever we go live matt and we already have a question oh my gosh all right let's take a question from this chat room what a great demonstration Michael in Seattle would love to know what you're sniffing there. Sniffing or like drinking? I suspect drinking since you you did all your sniffing before we went on air. Okay, so I can't blag this is a coffee, can I? No, this is a dark rum, Sailor Jerry's and Coke. Rum and Coke. You're drinking your normal whiskey, I presume, Matthew. Stay classy, my friend. (laughs) Stay classy. That was not the plan to sit here and do what are we imbibing, nor was it a shot at any other (laughs) podcast that talks about what they imbibe. Uh, So, uh, yes, that is a great demonstration of the Ustream. I love the internet. Someone from Seattle is popping in with a question. Uh, That's fantastic. So you can watch us live uh, from the Ustream app. It comes straight up on your phone, and that app has a chat room. Of course, you can do it from your browser as well. But we're also going to offer you a call-in. We've put our call-in mobile number in the chat room. So if you want to phone us in with anything, give us, a, give us a bell. Let's hear what you say. Join the conversation. And what else are we offering? 
just a Facebook group. Search Final Lap Podcast. I think there's nine people in there, Matt, so they could be the tenth. That would be that would be huge. Do we have gifts and prizes for the tenth joiner? We oh, we could lie. No, we don't. But that is your Facebook group. So you post in there what you like. Uh, just keep it clean. And lastly, follow us on Twitter at Final Lap Podcast using the hashtag FLP. So I guess that's the housekeeping out of the way, Matt. Yeah, I would say so. You want to do this alone or bring along some familiar friends? Oh, you know me. I'm a social butterfly. I, th- I vote friends. Okay, so there's not going to be any theme music because we just found out the music we used to play for this lady has a double meaning. And since we want it to be clean for listeners, I can no longer play this in case there are any Honduran children listening. It's the mesmerizing Vivian Bove. Thanks for coming back, Viv. Hi, guys. Missed you a lot. Missed Queen V. Now we feel a bit more classy. Thank you, Vivian. I'm glad I bring the classy back. Now, it's a bit of a spoiler for the rest of the show, but unfortunately you stopped watching about halfway through as soon as Kimmy caught fire, so you can only comment on the first half. No, I didn't. I had to finish watching the race like I always do, but I was very, very disappointed. Agony. Agony. All right, then. Matt, you've put down that you'd like to talk about pre-race tidbits. I don't mind a little bumper. Yeah, before the race, what did we find interesting, fascinating, or just plain weird, Matthew? Well, I I will tell you. You know, every team gets two exemptions from the curfew at the racetrack. And Force India had already used one of its exemptions up, but not because they stayed in the garage all night building brand new bits and bobs for their car. No. But because one of their engineers didn't set the clock properly and showed up an hour early to work. It may not have been an hour early, but they showed up and went, oh, this is odd. Nobody here. I guess I'll wander on in and get a jump on the day. Oh, so he was early. He blew one of their two season exemptions (laughs) because he showed up early because he set his clock wrong. So that's that's for the whole season. (laughs) That's for the whole season. They only have one left now. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And, And no, but here's the thing. All he really did was answer some emails. That's actually the worst part of it. Oh, so it wasn't even fixing the car. Oh, man. I may I mean, be making that. I mean, we've made that mistake between you and me with Daylight oh, Savings. <laughs> but we're <laughs> yeah, not part of a multi-million pound F1 team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what got me? I, I'll skip ahead a little bit. When um, oh, yeah, sure, sure. when Roman Grosjean was getting very excited um, uh, uh, after the race, and he was talking about the guys. Oh, they, they were on curfew. Every time I spoke to the guys, they're like, oh, I was out till curfew again. I didn't get back till late. And I was thinking... Well, you could have. You knew how hard they were working. Like, just muck in. Like, it's not going to damage his race if he, like, passes a spanner or two, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. You can get in there and help. They always talk about, oh, yeah, they were up all night. They look really tired. Well, give them a hand. I mean, especially on a Friday, they could. Absolutely. Oh, I guess not. Then what else, then? What else interested us? Red Bull makes the drivers pay their own speeding fines. Yeah, from the sound of it, that, that might be that might be like a change. Yeah. But given how little they pay their drivers, I mean, I could actually see them losing some positions in a race because they didn't want to fork over the multi-thousand euro fine for speeding in a pit lane. That's quite a good point. Do you know what the what is the amount of the fine? I know uh, they earn more than us. It's it, it's uh, it's like a per kilometer kind of thing. But yeah, it, it's even if you're like five or ten over the limit, it's like a thousand euros plus. You approve of that discipline level, Viv? Totally. <laughs> Ooh. But there is a bit of a risk, isn't there? You're, you're absolutely right. Like, he's, he's sitting there, he sees the pit limiter sign, and he thinks, do you know what? I'm just going to do it 10 metres early, just in case, because my missus will blow a nut if I lose another 10 grand. Exactly. Yeah, they're not going to take any chances because they don't want to fork the dough over, so they're not going to push it right to the limit. So we're still pre-race here, and uh, and uh, one of the things that, that struck me was there was a couple of teams who, I mean, they were scared of running in case they got any dings. Yeah, and that would even include Mercedes, believe right. it or not. I, I guess spare parts are just at a premium. But do you remember when, um, and this we're skipping ahead a little bit, but do you remember when Rosberg damaged the nose? In, oh, in that practice? was a very weird crash. No, this is the right place to talk about that. It's pre-race. Anyway, um, they actually 
they only had uh, so many of those brand new noses with the S-duct in them, and they actually took the S-duct off of Hamilton's car before he went out in the wet to do his laps in uh, practice three. Was it practice two or practice three? Whatever, whenever it was, they actually took the new part off of his so they didn't run out for the race. Because it's that precious. It looked, yeah, yeah, yeah. it looked really weird from the driver's point of view, didn't it? It looked like a proper mailbox in front of the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It's an interesting shape, uh, but it must be pretty fast because they were awfully fast in qualifying. But the, I think the teams that were most affected were the were Haas and Renault, I heard about, in particular, having just a lack of parts available, if anything, should be broken. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose that, that's understandable. Uh, did, why didn't Sauber run in practice? Um, well, they did. I think... I, I think, well, I think when it was wet for that very reason. Oh, that was it. That so it was the same fair. reason. Fair enough. But you, speaking of running, their technical director ran away. They don't actually have a technical director. They have an acting technical director. Their uh, original techni- technical director took off right before the start of the season. And we don't, I don't really know why. So if anybody knows why in the chat room. So have they got someone just, just filling in and bluffing it? Or is Manisha going, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I've got this. Chill, lads. I would imagine their assistant is, is 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 doing the business right now. But but yeah, Sauber is I think struggling a lot with money because if you recall, a lot of their money comes from sources that may sometimes make it hard to get into the EU. Like Are you say, using Russia. euphemisms? You can uh, just just say Russia. I, I think I think I think they they're still having a hard time getting the Russian cash that they're owed, and or they all. They owe the uh, seven drivers that they hired last year lots and lots of money. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But don't worry, because Williams have taken over from that mantle. I think they've got something like six reserve drivers, including uh, Paul DeResta, among others. But they, they've got like a whole gaggle. They've got a crew. It's like they're doing a bank job with reserve drivers. Uh, and Vortex has just chimed in the chat room. letting <gasps> Vortex us know it was, Mortio! It was personal reasons for the leaving of the technical director at Salbar. So thank you for that. Oh, fantastic if Vortex is on board. Hi, uh, Vortex, you make sure that you use that number when something uh, interests you and you call in and you say hello. Uh, Vortex is all the way in California, so nice and hot for him there. Mind if I talk a bit of fashion? <laughs> like, I feel a bit like the guy who's talking about, um, you know, yeah. oh, I like that car because it's red, but... Um, have you uh, have you forgotten you're on a live stream and people can see the actual clothes you're wearing? I don't know. You talking <laughs> about fashion will carry much weight, my friend. I have told you the shed is a safe place. When I go outside, I will try and look at least half like not a hobo. But in the comfort of my own shed, I haven't even shaved or anything. I've got one of those terrible half moustaches. Uh, no, come on. Let's talk about fashion. The Red Bull race suits just made everybody else look like a bunch of tramps. Did you see it? It was like this sort of black and grey camo. I'm not coming across very manly here, am I? Vivian, did you notice that at all? No, it's terrible, but I think it's worse than Renault ones. It's worse than... You thought it was terrible? I thought it looked so cool. No, they do, but the the Renault ones are the... The Renault ones are the ones that are coming out like bananas. <laughs> yeah, no, they... Um, the... Red noses and wigs, right? That's what they need? You're not a fan of those then, uh, Viv. I tell you who looks really bad in theirs is the Honda, the Honda guys. It just looks like they're in their pyjamas. It looks like they're in their onesies. They're just sort of falling out of them. And I think because Alonso looks always tired at the moment as well, I think that doesn't help the effect. He looks tired because he probably is tired. <laughs> He's probably tired of not being competitive. I t- hey, I tell you what, though, before we go into qualifying, one of the key factors in the pre-qualifying was the fact that Friday was completely washed out. And I'm not an expert on these things, Matt, but Friday is where they kind of find out what they're doing in the race. They kind of they go, oh, how long can we go on tyres? Which tyres do we prefer? That kind of thing. And no one got any running. Well, people did get running, but they got no running on the slick tyres at all, which actually, I think, helped set up to make the race a lot incredibly interesting because they just didn't have good data on these tires on the circuit. But yeah, there was very limited running due to the weather on Friday and um, a fair amount of spinning and a few uh, bumps and bruises here and there. Talking about spinning though, Matt. Oh my goodness. The qualifying started and the whole of F1 lost their pajamas. My Twitter feed had actual tears rolling from it, Matt. Everyone lost their minds F1 officially died on Saturday, apparently, if you believe everything you read. 
yes, uh, all over the world, baby kittens were being held hostage thanks to the new qualifying format. Honestly, you would have thought that F1 had been perfect up until that point. Vivian, were you were you crying with everyone else? No, it was ridiculous, but especially at the end of the uh, qualifying, uh, thir- third qualifying, you could see Hamilton inside the safety car going around the victory lap. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah, no, I mean, it. fair enough. It it didn't land, did it, Matt? Is that fair to say? It It didn't work. Whatever they tried, it didn't work. Okay, I'm going to say this after I pause. I love your pauses. Because I have to pause. I get my shopping done in your pauses. For dramatic effect. But I'm going to say this. Qualifying worked. Wow. I, okay. Well, well, hang qualifying on. worked, but, but, and that's a very large one there, but it worked in the sense that qualifying was intended to mix the grid up. And if right. you look at where people wound up, they wound up, except for the very, very sharpest end of the field. I was going to say. They they wound pretty mixed up. You had the Haas all the way yeah. in the back. They were faster than that. You had some people kind of further forward. But the reason the drivers wound up there was because the teams, I don't know if they like didn't read the instruction manual or something, but how many drivers in a row failed to get back to the finish line before the elimination time hit? It's like they didn't know how the thing actually worked. So to start with, my initial reaction was, I think it was Haas, Haas. Oh, how are we saying it, Matt? Are we saying Haas? Haas. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I've got my Haas team hat, so I am like, yay, go America, USA. I have got yeah. my, it's a NASCAR hat, though. Uh, but. <laughs> yes. Yeehaw. Racing, baby. So uh, I've lost one point completely. Yeah, so Haas were the first team, I think, to, to mess it up, or Manor, to drop out. And at first I was thinking, oh, you idiots. Like, how could you not realize this? But the more teams that made that mistake, the more I was thinking it's got to have been the message coming through because they're not all idiots, are they? They can't all be that stupid to make no. such a fundamental error. To be fair, it's a bit of a failing in the format because here's the thing. In order to run a fast lap, you've got to have fresh tires with the tires that we have now. So you you, you yeah. get basically on the soft tires, you get maybe one lap. And then after that, you start to get degradation. And maybe you get a second shot at it if enough fuel burns off. The, yeah. the weight effect will will counterbalance the loss of uh, tire grippiness, let's say. So if you need to go out and put in a second time, you have to go through the pits. You have yeah. to get the tires on. And if you need more fuel, they have to put you in the garage to put the fuel in. And then you have to go do another outlap and hit the line and have enough time to complete another full lap before your elimination time. And guess what? <laughs> 90 seconds isn't really enough time to get that done. <laughs> no. <sighs> so so you could see people just making the decision, well, I'd rather have more tires. It's a race, so let's just park. Because we can't, we can't get, we can't get you back out in time. Viv, do you think like maybe it was the ninety seconds was the problem? Because I, I was thinking maybe if they did three minutes, four minutes, a few at a time. Yeah, I, I had a hard time understanding it at first, but it would have worked perfectly. It works perfectly on paper if all the cars are running over and over again, and they yeah. started eliminating them. But the rules didn't say about having them parked in the in their garage waiting for see who's going to be eliminated because they have no tires to run through. Right. So, and and we just actually, Vortex asked a great question, which is how do we distinguish the mixed up grid between the tire rules and the quality format? <laughs> and uh, it's kind of hard to do that, but this was almost entirely due to the format. And I would say that the answer to that is simple because most of the people who wound up where you didn't expect them to were parked in the garage or didn't set a second lap time before they were eliminated. Yeah. And can I, can I, can I, can I moan a bit? Go on, what? let me moan. Look, I, I, huh? I like to moan as much as anyone, Matt. You've been podcasting with me for a couple of years now, and you yeah. know you know, I like to moan. And I get it. I get that the qualifying wasn't that entertaining because there was cars being eliminated out of the garage. To be fair, that was a period of drama that they never had before. You never had the drama of people being eliminated before all the way through the session, yet somehow people instantly missed it because they were expecting it. Uh, so I, I like a moan as much as anyone but not to the detriment of enjoying it. Like F1, it's meant to be an escape from our terrible jobs and horrible wives, and not every race or idea is going to be amazing. And if it was amazing, (laughs) 
it would become yes. boring, wouldn't it? It's like you're trying to generate material for our other podcast. I, I know, I know that. But uh, a Dad's View podcast, check it out. Follow at ADV podcast. But the the the, the level of moaning was like you've ruined your own chance of ruining the of enjoying the weekend with that level of moaning, and it was cheer led, unfortunately, by the commentators. I was watching it on Sky. And with the utmost respect to Martin Brundle, he spent the whole of the qualifying session talking about just this, that one issue. Right, he did. I think it bothered him a lot because it looked terrible to the viewer and to the people in the stands. It would have seemed like a waste of money because what you didn't get was lots of cars driving around fast a whole long time. What you got is people inexplicably being eliminated without you even really knowing what was going on. But if you look at it, they were eliminated. What they thought would happen was the drivers would be under great pressure to produce lap times. But what really happened was the teams were under pressure to get these procedures and timings right. And almost to a team, they couldn't get the job done. So there was, But the team mistakes don't show up on track. They show up because the driver yeah. still sat in the garage saying, ah, the heck with this. But there was one that I do want to point out in, in the second session. Carlos Sainz was on the elimination time and he got his lap right. So he had a chance to better his time and he was chasing Ricciardo who was about a quarter of a lap ahead of him. Yeah. And Ricciardo put in this fantastic time. And so then Alonso was up and he managed science managed to get ahead of Alonso, but then Alonso was just sat in the garage. But if Alonso had been out on track yeah. and chasing signs, then you begin to see what they were thinking Okay. Like, like for a moment, I was like, oh, this is how they wanted it to work. It was actually exciting. Like this person's out. No, this person could be out. Oh, yeah. is this person on the track? You're like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But that was one out of how many eliminations? 15. So percentage wise, they'd have to make some tweaks to make it work. Uh, Viv, where, where do you put the blame then on the format or all the teams getting it wrong or the commentators dragging it down? I'm assuming you had Honduran commentators. No, we had uh, Fox Sports with Argentinians, and they were really upset that people were not watching them race, basically, for their time. They made one lap, they had no tires, and then they just sat there and waited. And towards the end, they didn't even take a picture, the three of them, the one that were on pole. Didn't they? All right. No, nobody was there. Everybody left their car <laughs> seven minutes before. So it was, it was ridiculous. It was bad for the viewers, bad for the, for the people on track. And I think maybe... Q1 and Q2 would have worked if they had more tires and then leave Q3 like they did last year. But this is the thing, though. We're not going to get a chance to find out about the potential of this format because the reaction was so severe. They are going to bin it before Bahrain. I think, is that official now? Yeah, uh, that's official. And there they also binned uh, the radio rule talking about strategies. And they also binned the uh, have to not throw tear offs onto the track too. That all <laughs> happened the day of the race. Okay, so, so to yeah, me, that's F1 neat... getting ahead of the curve with the decision making. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. I th that's just a knee jerk reaction, though. Like, just everyone calm down. Now, there was um, an F1 personality who I love, who I highly respect, who came out on Twitter and said, "Today's uh, qualifying is is a disgrace." You like capital letters, disgrace. And it's, well, calm down. At the very worst, someone had an idea that wasn't very good and didn't work out. Right. The thing is, the idea in itself had some merit, but it was not cleverly thought through. And worst of all, they were told in no uncertain terms by the team managers that what happened at the qualifying was what was going to happen. So they knew in advance what a disaster it would be. And you could see everybody running eight different directions and blaming each other for it. But the sad fact is, having watched Quali for two years now and covered it, the old Quali format is incredibly predictable. Yeah. it's It falls into such a rhythm. And only when drivers make big mistakes does anything unusual happen. But shouldn't it be and like that? <laughs> No, I I think it would be great to shake up the qualifying format, but you have to do it right. You have to ensure that cars are on the track, that the pressure's on the drivers, and that you get you get results that you don't expect. Because that's why people watch the race. That's why people want to see qualifying. They want to see results they don't expect. Otherwise, if we know what's going to happen, why bother? Okay, so moving on towards the race. I mean, the highlights of the grid really was Hamilton back on pole, 
when it mattered, he, he was able to pull out a time ahead of Rosberg. And let's do mention it was his 50th pole, putting him into a rather exclusive club. Hey, hey, it's a big deal. He's got a bit of talent, the lad, hasn't he? I hear he can drive a car. But Rosberg not too far behind at all. The Ferraris lining up behind them. And young Max Verstappen desperately trying to prove me wrong that I think he's the most overhyped newcomer to F1 in history. Uh, putting it in a very handy fifth. Yeah, absolutely. He did put it in fifth and it was quite a good lap. Just because he's overhyped does not mean that he's also not a good driver. Well, that's a true thing. Let's move on to the race. Lights out, Matt, and everyone has a perfect getaway. I have to confess before this that I did wake up 10 minutes late, uh, quickly rubbed my eyes, do, did what people have to do when they first wake up, uh, <laughs> had, had, did not see when I turned on my phone and started running the stream, did not see what I expected to see. No, I can imagine you didn't. Well, the first thing you didn't see was that Daniel Kvyat Oh, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you here, Matt, because we actually have a caller on the line from a number I don't recognize. So, hello, our first ever caller on Final Lap Podcast. Hello, who are we talking to? Uh, it's uh, Craig Alderson. Can the panel hear Craig? Panel cannot hear Craig. Oh, you're very quiet, Craig. A nice technical hitch for our first ever call in. Can you try shouting? I, I get the idea that you didn't bother to test this ahead of I time. I tested it with Carlo. I did test it. I super promise. Uh, Craig, you're you're a little bit quiet for us, buddy. I can't hear you at all. If you have another phone, give us another try. But uh, there we go. An aborted attempt at a call-in show. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Continue your point. Right. Well, I'll, I'll continue my point that Fiat, on his way to the grid, his car died for the second year in a row before he got there. And this caused the whole field to have to do a second formation lap while they cleared his car from the grid. Ah, okay. And what the end result of that was, is one of the things that's new for this year is that drivers only have a single clutch paddle now that they're using for the start, yeah. as opposed to the double clutch. But what happened, and we've seen this in the past, that Mercedes launch is maybe not as good as the Ferrari launch, but what that second formation lap does is it drives your clutch temperature really, it, it really heats it up a lot. Uh -huh. And I think you look at both the Mercedes starts, they start like they get a good getaway in the sense they start at the same time as everybody else, but then they don't have the same level of engagement as, say, the Ferraris did. And and that was that would be a technical reason why they both struggled at the beginning of the race and wound up behind the Ferraris. That and the Ferrari launch always oh, been good. What do you think? You must have been pretty excited there, Vivian. Oh, no time for Vivian as we have our first ever caller on the final lap podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking to, caller? <laughs> I can hear nothing, nothing. Uh, okay, Craig, unfortunately, uh, we don't seem to have the technology on our side today, uh, so I will hang up the call there. Uh, Vivian, please carry on with the question Matt called you, and I will edit all of that out. About Kiviet. I'm yeah. sorry for the guy. He hasn't started the last two season openers, basically. He's very disappointed, and he's looking forward to Bahrain trying to put this on its side and going straight to Bahrain. Yeah, but you must have been excited when you saw the race actually finally start. I mean, there was Ferrari out in front. Yeah, it was it was weird because I think that happened in Hungary in Hungary in Hungary last year with uh, where Vettel and and Kimi Raikkonen also led the Mercedes way in the back and it was very exciting to see that Vettel went ahead, Kimi Raikkonen was following, but obviously it didn't end up well with both cars finishing the race, but at least we got a podium with Ferrari. Yeah, it's a, it's a good start, and they were able to, unlike other times in the past, they were able to stay out in front all the way through the first set of pit stops, although Rosberg did almost undercut him. That was perilously close. At the, yeah, at and the then the red stop. flag didn't didn't help them. Didn't help the Ferraris at all. Yeah, but before we get to the red flag, uh, what you got there, Spanners? I I haven't got anything at the moment. I was struggling with our tech issue, and I was going to uh, try and sort that out. I'm really right. 
Very sorry. Please carry on and I'll catch myself up. No. Well, the interesting thing, and I boy, boy, have the people I follow on Twitter, this is a bit of a Rorschach test, is going into turn one, you know, that that um, Rosberg and Hamilton had a yeah. bit of contact. So and I haven't it, seen this. It seems to be, I don't know why, it seems to be controversial to some people. <laughs> Uh, about about the whole there there's a lot already a lot of the politics going on but i, I don't know what what did you think of the contact in in the first turn between the two mercedes vivian whose fault think, was it you think rosberg took him off the track on purpose it's ridiculous the thing is that social media goes goes all weird just because they have this supposedly fight but then you see them hugging each other at the end of the race so we don't <laughs> know if they're really friends or not friends also Lewis Hamilton went from pole to seventh place. Was he snapshotting or something that he didn't see the lights go out or something? Something happened to him. Obviously, his his Mercedes didn't have the power to go to go in front. Well, it's interesting. My take on it was is that if you watch the start and and they replayed it oh multiple times, what happened at the start was. Both the Mercedes got swamped by the two Ferraris. Yeah. So coming into turn one, it was almost four wide. And as and as Lewis started to turn in, Rosberg was trying to stay in front of Vettel because that's who he could see. And I'm going to say, not not for the first time, he locked up going into turn one on the inside trying to stay ahead of a car next to him. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that before. <laughs> I'm thinking Russia where he just, yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wow. And, yeah, no, that was a big one, though. He just didn't yeah, stop yeah. at all. Right. So what happened was, and you could see it clearly, the shot looking back at the at the straightaway, you could see when he locked up, it basically understeered his car. It completely changed the angle of his car. And from that point on, he was going to have to go to the outside of the turn just to get around. And in so doing, the his back tire contacted Hamilton's front wing, which had two effects. One, it took a chunk off of Hamilton's wing. And two, it put most of Hamilton's car onto the AstroTurf outside of the curb. And at that point, he was done for because you just don't have the traction there. If he was to try and accelerate with the other cars, he'd have just he'd have, he'd have been off the track entirely. And yeah. by the time he got back on and on the power, he'd lost another three or four places. Well, it's about time and- Rosberg sort of came off better, really, from one of those hustles. Well, we want to see him this year, don't we? Not Not having any mercy, really. Yeah, but let's face it. If you're a Hamilton fan, he finished Australia last year, twenty five points. Yeah, now he's yeah. eight points back. So I mean, for him, it's kind of a win, relatively speaking. It is. But how many times last season? I was talking about this on Downforce last week. How many times last season could Rosberg have just held his line and made it Hamilton's fault, but ended up getting pushed onto the outside of exits? I think it happened three or four times. Yeah. Well, but see, this is the thing with contact. Contact is always a little bit uncertain. You can't know if you're going to hit another car exactly what's going to happen. No, so it's no. always a risk if you're just going to leave but it in there. Doesn't it that just you might come off the worst? Doesn't it just send the message though? Occasionally, we go well if we're side by side on the exit of the turn. I'm not running off. If he'd have done that the first time, Hamilton. But Hamilton was just thinking, oh well, he'll just he'll just run off. He'll make room for me. That's fine. Yeah, and the thing is, I know for a fact that like they asked they interviewed Rosberg after the and they said, what what do I you know you hit Hamilton. And he's like, really? And then they showed him the video and he's like, oh, oh, right. So OK, I don't I don't think he's a good enough actor to have pulled it off. It seemed a pretty genuine reaction to me. I don't think he had any idea that he hit him. Agreed. So we've got Vettel uh, far out in front. Well, not that far out in front, but he certainly he is out in front. And we see something we've not seen all of last season, which is the Mercedes boys switching strategies when something went wrong. Yeah, like not being able to pass a Toro Rosso. Well, I know, yeah, but no, I'm I'm not dreaming this. Remember, my last year they were locked into the same, the same pit stops and the same tire choices. So uh, yeah, so he could not <laughs> get past. He could not get past Max Verstappen, and I think the consensus was that those Toro Rossos were running quite light on the downforce. So they, you know. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Holding up through a tight, twisty track that's hard to overtake on and then punching away in the straights. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of defensive managing you can do with your, with your power supply to, to help negate DRS, but they all had DRS once it was on cause they were all still running fairly close, but it, it looked miserable for the overtaking. The only overtakes that I remember seeing at the front came on people having completely different tires, like someone at the end of their tire life, Versus someone at the very beginning of their entire life. If if you didn't have that offset, it didn't look like it was possible to overtake at that track. Yeah. So, but they were good enough. They said, "Right, okay, you're going to go long," uh, yep. and that ended up completely screwing him. Really. <laughs> well, it did. It, well, they went. They went kind of long. It 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 did. I mean, you could say that. But before we go on, we should also mention the other person who had a really good start was Pascal Verline, who managed to hop up to fifteenth place. I think. At the start, which is pretty good pretty given the good. car that he's in. Both yeah, 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 McLarens yeah. were doing that last season. They were like quickly jumping up to 11th or 12th and then spent the whole race going backwards. Yeah. And the thing of it is, yeah. you could look at this as like a glass half full, glass half empty, glass not the right size kind of question. Yeah. In the sense that they did. They, they decided that the best answer for Lewis rather than undercutting him was to go was, long. Was to run him long. And that was probably due to the big gaggle of midfielders, including um, Hulkenberg, that he would have come out on yes. the wrong side of had they pitted him by the time he said, look, I can't get around these guys. So they figured they'd keep him out till the other pit stops happen and give him some free running. And you could see once once the two Torosos cleared off in front of him, he did start to pick up some yeah, time. Yeah, no, he definitely had to. And with that much of a pace delta, he still couldn't overtake. Right. Well, the good news is uh, Craig Alderson has shown up in the chat room. Yeah. And he, he, he wants to he wants to say that he was disappointed with Honda. Yeah. Notice that, notice that he's not disappointed with McLaren. He's just disappointed with Honda. <laughs> that is because Craig Alderson is a massive fanboy and he cannot let possibly bear that McLaren could be doing anything wrong. They were clinging on to the fantasy last year that they somehow had the most amazing chassis. If only those boys from Japan could pull their finger out, everything would be okay. And that's all I've got to say about that. Yeah, well, I mean, the, and and what he's concerned about is that Haas may be taking their spot away with their with their uh, Ferrari borrowed technology. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, some people have got something to complain about with Haas coming in and getting that year's advantage and all the wind tunnel stuff. But McLaren can't argue that, can they? Oh, hang on. Some people could hear the collars in one ear if that helps you solve the uh, problem. <laughs> well, it does. Both it Craig does and a, Carlo. It does a little bit, but there's obviously there's obviously some issue holding up. If those guys want to add me spanners ready on Skype, I'd be more than happy to, to add them to the call for a few minutes. Where do you want to go then next, Matt? Well, we were talking about the split strategy. And right, Mercedes is quick to change the strategy, put, put Hamilton long, and they brought in Rosberg actually to undercut Vettel. And I think this must have been Vivian's first good scare of the night because when Vettel came out of the pits, there was Mr. Nico practically on his gearbox. But the difference being they put Rosberg on the soft tire, they put Vettel on his extra pair of super softs that he didn't bother to use up in qualifying. And it, within half a lap, he was again pulling a decent gap, one that, that Rosberg was just not able to make much headway on. And uh, Raikkonen, on the other hand, and I think this must have been this must have been the first of many sad emoji faces for you, right, Vivian? Of course. 
they, they, they kept breaking it out to cover Hamilton's strategy. Yeah, he was having a really hard time. Hamilton was really close. Yeah, and 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 he was Kimmy was on 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 the blower pretty early, complaining if I recall correctly about like his tires were pretty much done several laps before they actually brought him in. <laughs> Unlucky Kimmy. Yeah, so that I mean that was a deliberate sort of ploy by Ferrari. It was just tough luck. They didn't care if he went all the way back into the clutches of Hamilton, so long as they had someone to sort of stay in front of him after the pits. Yeah, well, just yeah, someone to be on the same strategy as him in case that turned out to be the better strategy. All right, then. So that was the first round of pit stops. Yeah, I mean, the first round of pit stops, it was kind of it was kind of a false dawn because you're waiting for the pit stops for a bit of excitement to shake things up. And and that wasn't what did it. Uh Hamilton eventually came in and decided, no, we're going to one stop. We're going to do the whole race uh, on one. And the very next lap, Alonso managed to ding the back of one of those shiny new American cars. Yeah, that was that was not that's that was never going to turn out well for his insurance, to be honest. The um, yeah, because you're sitting there watching. There they come and they put Hamilton on the medium tire. I was like, oh, really? And they yeah. didn't. They put Kimmy uh, on the either the soft or super soft again, and out they come. And immediately you see double yellows, safety car. It could have been maybe ten seconds between the two designations on the on the app. And then they they showed, oh, looks like Gutierrez is spun off, but really deep in the gravel. And you're like, oh, come on, man, is you got your chance? Don't do that. <laughs> and then they said, oh, hang on. There's a car wedged into the back of the tire wall. It looks like a McLaren. <laughs> What's I, left of a McLaren? I know. I was looking at that shot of uh, uh, Gutierrez, and I didn't notice for a, for a good while that there was another vehicle crumpled up into the armco. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody did until we <laughs> saw the replay, and that was uh, that was the replay, of course, uh, of the replay of Alonso doing his very best imitation of Martin Brundle. Yeah, yeah, and then and that point was certainly made on the Sky commentary. It definitely was, but uh, it looked like a bit of a, a no blame situation. The, the commentary team was sort of seemed to be suggesting Gutierrez moved twice, but the the way sorry Gutierrez, yeah, Gutierrez yeah, moved twice. But the way I saw it, it looked as if he no, was, it, it's Gutierrez. God damn it! I can pronounce things however I say it. That's what we're <laughs> rolling with for the rest of the show. Go with Esteban then. Well, he was going for Esteban. It's, it's Gutierrez. Yeah, so uh, it looked like he'd actually was trying to let him through. It looked like Alonso was coming down the inside and he'd looked in his mirror and gone, oh, he's coming down the inside, I'll, I'll nip off out the way. And Alonso's going, aha, I see a gap. And and he's gone back in. They've had the same thought at the same time, hasn't he? And he's he's dinged it. But did you see the gap between their breaking points that they did on the on the graphic? Yeah, because, because and it makes perfect sense if you start off with the scenario you describe, which is Gutierrez sees him coming looking up the inside because Alonso was slipstreaming him, slipstreaming him to get by. So he sees him, he sees Alonso, knows he's coming by faster than, than, you know, he wasn't going to bother to defend because it was pointless, the speed differential. So if you see him on the inside, he moves outside. And if you're on the outside, you're going to be breaking earlier to make, to let him by so that he can speed back up and carry the same amount of speed through the corner. So he was trying to get Alonso by him so he could hit the corner at the optimal speed. But when he slowed down that early, Alonso had already changed his mind about which side he wanted to go and had hopped outside and then just completely, because Alonso said, you know, you can't really see the tires. You can only see the rear wings And when you're, um... when you're sat there. That does uh, bring us to what I was thinking was there was a lot of talk about the halo and you could tell in the interviews afterwards who has been pushing for the halo and who has been pushing to not have the halo in there? Because, yeah, go on, Viv. No, I, I was wondering, if they had had the halo, do you think Alonso would have gotten out of the car? Oh, I don't know. Because the, the thing, the, the flip-flop, the Ferrari flip-flop, it looked like it had a hole the same kind of width as as the uh, the hands device. So if you can get out with the hands device, 
Would yeah, you... but the way the car ended, you saw the car and from yeah. Alonso trying to get out next to the wall. Do you think he would have been able to get out in that position? No, and I think that's an issue. And Button was saying, well, the car wasn't on fire, so it didn't matter. He could have just sat there and waited. But th- th- that obviously begs the question, well, what if it was on fire? <laughs> but yeah, so I, 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 you can tell there that Button is obviously a fan of the Halo. See, here's the thing. Uh, I, I, I think people are asking the wrong question. Yeah. If... I'm certain they would have been able to extricate him from the car had it been necessary, even with the halo. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is the halo obstructs your straight ahead vision more than anything else. There was a demonstration I know of of spa. Someone did a, a video demonstration of what it would be like to drive spa with a halo. And it, and, it, and it may not have been perfect, but it gave you an idea of it, and there was also a nice interview with Anthony Davidson, who tested it in the simulator, and, and mentioned specifically that p- when you're driving straight, picking out braking points became really difficult because that part of your vision was obscured by that sort of front. Not that yeah. I guess you wouldn't call it an A pillar. I have no idea what you call it, but it comes down in front. And think about already, Alonso can't see Gutierrez's rear wheel well enough to avoid it without more things in front of his eyeballs. So what I'm concerned about is that you're going to see more rear end accidents like this that are going to launch the launch the trailing car, especially when if people are picking different braking points because they're using the curves braking instead of the brakes and the curves together. All right, man. So let's uh, let's talk about how how the sort of the grid reshuffled, the pack reshuffled, because this is really where the race was decided. One of the big victories, the big winner was that Roman Grosjean was basically waiting for his one stop. Murica, Murica, and he, and got he it. didn't get it. They robbed him. You, you sorry European, you robbed him of his first pit stop as an American driver. Nah, but he got the honor of. I don't remember anyone doing a zero stop race before. I know it was brilliant, actually, because he hadn't come in yet. They put the medium tires on, gave him a slap on the back, said, "Go get him, son." <laughs> Here's and, a cigar. And, and off he went in eighth or ninth spot. Yeah. And everybody in front of him pitted. And there he was in sixth position running similar lap times, doing an excellent job defending all the way to the end of the race. P6. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me, what position is Haas in the Constructors' Championship right they now? Are, they are fifth above McLaren, Craig Alderson. Yes, they Haas are. Yes, yes, absolutely. And what a result for like a, a true brand new constructor to the sport. I mean, yeah. Toyota was the last one to score points in the original. I mean, game. they had to cheat for a year to get there, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, come well, on. No, I mean, that's it was not against the rules when they did it, my friend. I am if glad. You, if you drive your car at 80 and then they change the speed limit to 65, were you breaking the speed limit? You're absolutely right. And I remember at the time... They were going to come in last season and then they made the decision not to. And I was like, wow, I hope that pays off because for me, a year is like, wow, I would never wait a year for anything. And by the time a year had passed, I'd be like, no, I want to do something else now. Like by the time a year had passed, I'd be into aeroplanes instead. So well done to Gene Haas for sticking with it. But it looks like it has paid off. Obviously, they'd got that free pit stop. But I mean, even with a pit stop's worth back, that would still have been a decent result, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have still been a decent result, but I don't think it would have been quite as good as the result that they got because they won the red flag lottery this time around. No they did, and it. who lost it? Who lost it? Uh, Hamilton lost it because he pitted the lap before. Liar, this is not true. Is it not? Go on then. It, it, he, he won and lost. See, the thing with Hamilton is you think, oh, if he just petted a lap later, he'd have been in Grosjean's position. And it's true. He would have been, he could have contended for the lead had he pitted a lap later. However, what you were conveniently neglecting is that both Vettel and Rosberg had already pitted and repassed him on the racetrack. So he was not only as far behind them as he was, he was that extra pit stop time as well. So he was probably 35, 40 seconds back down the road from them and the red flag erased all of it otherwise he wouldn't have been in the position he'd been in uh to make the finish he did and finish p2 and uh so this is though uh after this set of um pit stops you saw the ferrari strategist with their head in their hands i have to admit 
it looked, and after the race, uh, who's the Williams guy? The missed opportunity. Well, why is his name? Smedley. Smedley. Why is his name evaded me there? Was saying it was an absolute no-brainer to go on to mediums and try and finish the race. But Ferrari just, what did they bolt on? Did they, they didn't go super soft again, did they? Yeah, well, uh, Ferrari has has always pushed a strategy of going as fast as possible, and they had the super softs available, and they felt that they could go super soft, soft, and let either either make the gap to Rosberg with the super softs, which I think was was blinkered at best, and or that at the end of the race with the soft tires, Vettel would be able to get on fresh softs, Vettel would be able to get past him, which is a more realistic thought, yeah. but completely overlooked the fact that Mercedes spent the whole of winter testing on the medium tire. <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of laps on the medium tire. Uh, Viv, uh, this is one of yeah, the key points. The Mercedes fa- were more conservative with the mediums, but then uh, Ferrari screwed up Vettel's pit stop with seven seconds when they couldn't get the tire out. Which is yeah, rare, which is rare for him help. as well. They normally reserve that for Kimi, don't they? Yeah, unlucky Kimi, but this time with, with Vettel and basically yeah. he lost he lost the race. Right. So the nut of the red flag was that the cars were allowed to be tinkered with while they were in the pit lane. And Mercedes went long. They put the mediums on Rosberg. And Ferrari went short. They put the fast tires on both of their runners. Now, this to me was interesting because they you would think that if Kimi was covering off that strategy, they would have strapped some mediums onto his car. But we also know that the mediums and the Ferraris have never been the best of friends. So maybe they really did think that was their only option at that point. And but then, regardless, yep. it didn't matter because two laps later, Vivian. What happened to your boy, Viv? He went on fire. He went into the pits and basically his car went on fire. Luckily, he wasn't wearing a halo and he could get out of the car really fast. <laughs> but he didn't get out of the car really fast. So that's the point, isn't it? He did. He sat there, had a good think about it, let them spray his thing. Yeah. Did you hear the interview afterwards? Because they asked him that very question. Well, what if you had the halo? Because you've got out of time. He's like, it was not a very big fire. <laughs> Every, everything was fine. Everything was fine. Oh, dear, oh, dear. So, uh, really, there wasn't a third uh, stop uh, apart from apart from Vettel, really. Well, Vettel and, and the, the Toro Rosos, of course, wh- yeah. which are really, I think, if there was a so- story of the second half of the race besides Grosjean, P6, it had to be Max Verstappen coming completely unhinged. I know. He couldn't even wait until... <laughs> See how I got a bumper that says the name of the podcast. He did. He did get un- unhinged. And uh, the, 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 there were people making excuses. Well, he's still only 18 years old. Well, 18, you're a man now, buddy. And you're not a rookie anymore. You can't come on the team, on the radio, and tell your team that they are a bad word. Disgrace. Vivian, wash his mouth out with soap and water. Yeah, that, there was a little bit of miscommunication between him and the team in the team they they weren't expecting him so they he lost time over there but then uh Franz Tost came set and said that uh Sainz was called in first because he had a, a little bit of problem with his with his tires so that's why they brought him no with um uh, with braking I think it was and then they called him in first before they called Verstappen and then Verstappen just showed up basically out of nowhere and the team wasn't ready for him uh, is this one of the things they couldn't communicate Matt like they couldn't have just said to him, dude, right, this is going to look bad, but chill. It's fine. You're you're putting me on the spot. I don't have the regulations in front of me. I'd actually have to go look. They've changed so much. Who the hell knows? No, they were allowed to talk about strategy. So they could have told him they could have told him that he had to wait to, to come into the pits. I, th- I think you're allowed to tell them what lap to come in. And he's allowed to say anything he wants back to them, uh, which right. he, he took full advantage of that. Let me tell you. But they've got this weird system of Toro Rosso where they're kind of allowed to race under certain circumstances, but he's got to phone in for permission. They've got this sort of, they've got the system where they'll go, all right, we'll let Max through to get past that car. But if you don't get past the car, you'll then swap back. And I think that makes both of them angry. It's a little bit nutty, but it makes sense because they're looking, they're looking at the telemetry. 
So if they're looking at you and you're not getting the job done and they think you can go faster and you're not getting the job done, they want somebody to get the job done. So they're going to give their other driver the chance. But what's, what interested me was signs non-response, like their response to that was basically like, well, we'll pass then. You, you, no one said you couldn't go past your teammate. <laughs> it was just the best thing ever. And he yeah. just kept on getting angrier and angrier. And finally, he just drove right in the back of him and spun himself out. And that was the end of his adventure for the day. And just a reminder to anyone listening that you can come and join us recording live on Ustream uh, and put your comments in the chat that Matt vigilantly watches. Uh, yeah, Max has entirely lost his lost the plot in that race. And oh, ooh, and 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 now Vortex is insinuating that, that we might actually have a ground war between Holland and Spain as a result of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Dutch are not overly aggressive, are they? That's the, that's going to be the problem. Uh, they're, they known, are, they're known for being reserved, polite, and definitely not partying much. Yeah, they are passionate, though, aren't they? About <laughs> Verstappen. You, if you go onto a, a Facebook comment section, like on the Sky Sports, and say, "Do you know what? I don't think Max is that good." Boy, do they disagree with you? Yes, 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 they do, and occasionally with hard objects. Yes. And, and signs, Carlos clearly wasn't pleased in the interviews afterwards. Someone said, so what did you make of your teammates? He gave the biggest eye roll you've ever seen. He's, oh, my God, that guy. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I, think, I think if the powers that be like Max Verstappen, I think they probably need to protect him by not playing every single radio message until he starts keeping it a bit cool. Yeah, and and there is a word, and it does start with D, and it is not Dutch, but it is diva, and that was very, very diva-ish behavior on his part, and he's going to have to learn to let some of that stuff go if he wants to make it to the big leagues, I would have to say. And so, so they once uh, once Vettel came in, I think it was clear from his lack of ability of to pull a gap that that aggressive super soft tactic wasn't going to work. He came back out pretty much in, in third place. Hamilton had already gotten past very easily Daniel Ricciardo's Red Bull. And those guys pretty much stayed in that order. But the midfield was a lot closer. The midfield was a lot closer. And what interested me about, about the Ricciardo pass is that, again, you had Ricciardo at the end of his tires being passed by Hamilton with still relatively fresh tires, but you did not see a single overtake at the sharp end of the field unless there was a huge tire differential. And, uh, well, it was nearly... I I thought Vettel was definitely going to get past, uh, but I actually... I nipped out and I missed the spin. Did he have a... Oh, no, that was it. I saw it. It was the second from last uh, sharp left-hand turn. He just right. sort of, he ran wide, didn't he? And that killed any chance he was going to get. Of yeah, and, and, and Vettel's tires were much younger than Hamilton's and he still couldn't get by him. Yeah, well, it is a tough track, so everyone keeps saying. Not, yeah. that, I've, not that I've raced there yeah. personally. But I think Vivian was going to give us an update on the midfield battles. Yeah, there was a battle uh, with, with the Williams. Um, uh, Massa dueled briefly with Hamilton after passing him into the start. Then... Basically, Bottas was battling the midfield, and he started 16 and ended what P8, Did even he? though he had a, he had a great penalty. Didn't see a lot of that on the feed, though. I think he started 16th. He started 16th and ended P8. So that was okay, and and also the red flag basically helped the Williams team with their one-stop strategy. Uh, so the Williams did end up sort of behind Red Bull, though. A bit disappointing. Yeah, you'd think so. I don't know. P5 for Massa, 5-6, that'd be pretty good. What was interesting to me is the start of the race was the Toro Rosso being in front of the Red Bulls pretty pretty, pretty steadily if they hadn't guffed up their strategy so badly and if Verstappen hadn't had a tantrum. <laughs> There's no other word for it. That was a full-blown tantrum. Not and, far and, off And you, ha- you have kids that age, so you yeah, know what I mean. <laughs> really not far off at all. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, Rosberg, a well-deserved victory in the end. I think what he did was he just, he kept his car, he kept his calm and he drove steady and he, he did what Rosberg does, which is kind of chilled and laid back, but that was the right thing to do today. Uh, whilst everyone else had, you know, I'm not going to say he got handed it in any way, but Ferrari could have had that win. It was theirs. So for the taking, without the, the red flag, it would have been very hard for Mercedes to have P1. That's what I think. And that's very good news 
for for Formula One in general, I'd um, have to say. And apart from the start, not much more Hamilton could have done. Viv, do you think no. he could have done a bit more? Uh, Vettel could have done a little bit more, but I, w- I think it was okay. Hamilton was really pissed that <laughs> Rosberg has his fourth consecutive win. I think he's not very happy, although they did hug at the end of the race, so that's a, that's a start. Yeah, but they did, didn't they? Uh, going onto the podium, they looked like best friends, man, didn't they? They were hugging, they were kissing. Did you see uh, Vettel throwing uh, Hamilton the second, the second place? Uh, no, cap? did he? <laughs> did that go down? Because <laughs> Vettel is like really joking with everybody in the press conference. He was like with, the little boy, the and he's very laid back, and he's trying to make fun of things. So he was basically like what Nico did with with the Hamilton last time, that he threw back the the cap. I that missed was really that. Funny. That's hilarious. And then, <laughs> well, Mark Webber, and I'm not the biggest Mark Webber fan. He came on to do the podium interviews. Actually, probably a, the right guy for that kind of thing. Sorry, Matt. Well, before we get to the podiums, if I could just say, there's one more thing I wanted to mention, which is, and this had a lot to do with Verstappen losing his mind. The Taro Rossos were stuck behind the Renault of Julian Palmer, who drove a really, really excellent race yes he did Um, and i did did want to mention that because he defended well when he was in some overtaking maneuvers he did a great job of of maneuvering his car and it was just it was a pleasure to see that kind of driving going on with someone new to the grid this year yeah no definitely but it wasn't he didn't stand a chance with those toro rosos behind all he could do was was really hold them up and once signs got through that compromised his exit which which just gave max a a clean pass through yeah no good start and he's not shy is he on the camera uh when they were asking him about missing out on 10th place he went yeah damn it (laughs) (laughs) damn it's okay i think that's our limit sorry kids don't copy that don't copy that uh but yeah so the podium celebrations really strange to see Weber and Vettel suddenly being best mates or was that Vettel forcing it on Weber and that was actually something super awkward we were seeing maybe they just forgave themselves and now <laughs> they're just hanging out and being BFFs okay Time then. heals there's no ego in it for Weber anymore he's done with the sport so it don't matter to him okay yeah, Vettel knows he's not coming back to Formula One so it's not a threat let's be friends now what was your favorite comment from the Ustream tonight, Matt? Uh, my favorite comment from the Ustream had to be, so Arawash still a major issue for F1 then. No, actually, I think, ooh, Matt, prepare for Dutch onslaught for diva comments. I think that's probably my favorite. <laughs> so we'll Get make ready that. on Twitter, Matt. We'll yeah, make that this week's comment of the week. And who did you guys pick for driver of the weekend? Uh, it, I, I know you two are going to come up with probably the correct answers, but I think we're going to go for, for Nico Rosberg this this week for myself, a race of the weekend. He did everything he needed to do. He's kept his head. He must be going home tonight thinking, I've proved everyone wrong. It's four races in a row. Considering how long he went without winning two races in a row, maybe not an out-and-out performance, but it's his weekend. So I'm giving it to Nico Rosberg. Right. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to Good. give it to Romain Grosjean. Because he America. ran 30, because Murica, because he ran 37 laps yeah, ish, 37 laps on a set of mediums that high, they had no data on. And despite having some pretty good drivers behind him in cars that were just as fast as his, they never made it pass. And bringing home P6 for a brand new team, that's, and, and the, looking at the points teams in that bracket score, that's huge for them. That's that just sets them up for the whole season to go right. And that's that's yeah. So Grosjean gets gets my nod this week. Vivian, who's your driver of the weekend? Yeah, I agree with Matt. It has to be Roman Grosjean because he really uh, stood up for the team. Uh, he made a great job. I even um, I tweeted about congratulating Haas for getting P6, being a new team on the grid, being an American team on the grid. And my Twitter feed blew up. Everybody was liking and retweeting my comments. So I guess that they did a great job. For them, it's like winning. It, it really was. And and Craig, Craig Alderson of the chat room also has a suggestion for driver of the week. Can you guess which team? Or was it Jensen Button for just being in a McLaren? No, it was Alonzo for surviving that <laughs> crash. Well, the, also the engineers and the science and everything, all the rest yes. of it too. And, and, and we do have one request from the chat room, Yo. which is 
we to, this is the first race where we've had three tire options available to the yeah. teams instead of two, and everybody wants to know your opinion of it. Vivian, like, did it work? Did you. it not work? <laughs> no, I, I, I spoke uh, last season about this, and I think it's a fantastic idea. It increases the range of tactics available. And, I mean, it was almost pointless with the two because there was always very much a set way to go about it. You qualify on the soft tyre, you get them out of the way as quickly as possible, and you bolt on the meat. There was very little variation from that. So they weren't doing their job of adding variation. Here, we're definitely going to see teams reacting differently to across those three tires so i'm very happy viv yeah me too especially last year you you had to cho- you had to use both of them eventually even for, for certain laps or a, a big amount of laps or a small amount of laps with with the same uh, the strategy yeah. bit matter but this time you have the choice of which ones are you going to use and which ones you're going to change and when so it's it's, it's better this way yeah and uh, i mean <laughs> ferrari could are free to dig their own grave on ridiculously soft tires yeah, and I, I have to confirm the the third tire choice is brilliant and makes the racing strategically much more interesting. And the red flag situation was a perfect example of that, where you had teams going all different crazy directions based on what they thought was going to work best for their own for their own team. Uh, awesome, guys! Thank you very much for bearing with us on the very first. The Final Lap Podcast. No, Final Lap Podcast. Uh, Thank you to everyone who joined us on Ustream and who put up with our teething problems. I would really, really love to get a call in going. Just got to figure out why we couldn't hear the guys who were calling in. You'd be welcome to add me on Skype, Spanners Ready, and just jump in and try and call me uh, while we're doing the live stream. Uh, We want to try and make this as interactive as possible. So please go on the Facebook group Final Lap Podcast and just uh, chat with us there. You can make the post and it'll appear on people's news feeds and we can interact there follow us on twitter at final lap podcast we've made that as easy as we can but the two l's and p's are quite confusing in the middle so we might have to revisit that uh vivian people can find you on honduran radio yes on radio house at 4 30 uh every day um it's honduran time obviously but you can follow me on twitter and get my links it's at vivian bove it is in spanish though yes it is in spanish so if you're bilingual go ahead and jump in Matt, you can't plug your normal stuff, but do follow Matt at MattPT55. Why can I not plug my normal stuff? Because we're doing safe for work and you do stuff that's sometimes not safe for work. Nah, it's books. Go read my wife's books. Amanda Weaver. Look her up on Amazon. Don't do that, kids. Don't do that. You can find Matt. Do it, do it. On e-radio show with me on Downforce Radio UK, the nation's motorsport station. And you can find me and Matt on A Dad's View. That isn't safe for work. Uh, I I promise you. But guys, please remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. We'll see you next time on The Final Lap. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.